Hi, I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and I'm here with MG, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. Yay! So, um, you know what we try to do is to bring our uh, real life situations into sobriety, and so today uh, MG has a situation that she asked for some help with. Yes, I've been working with um, several sponsees, and they're getting to this point where they're having to make amends. And when we do our inventory, our fourth step, that's where we get really the meat of the people that we're going to have to right. make a list for. And uh, <clears throat> when I was doing my <clears throat> inventory and my amends, I forgot to include someone. And I didn't really even really remember that I owed this person an amends until quite recently. And it was because I was telling my story about my abortion. And I was telling my story about, you know, how the abortion happened and how I didn't regret having an abortion, but I just regretted the whole situation around it, that I couldn't set boundaries with this guy, that it was really my sex and love addiction that, you know, had me get to that place where I wanted an abortion. I went to the clinic at my school and they gave me a list of resources and it you know the the cheapest place was in Atlanta and I was at this school in Alabama <clears throat> and uh, so it was like I was gonna have to drive to Atlanta and like stay the night because they they did the abortions in the morning and it was a predominantly uh, black place because it was like a community place and so I was telling my dear friend uh, KW about this and she was like oh I've got a good friend in Atlanta she goes I can make the arrangements and we can go and like stay the night with her and then you know we'll make up some story that you have to have cancer treatment the next day or whatever so <coughs> she made that arrangement now PS a little backstory on my friend KW uh, KW I make up and I you know take her inventory that she was a major alcoholic and she was, and I, that was right up my path. And she was always drinking beer, and she always loved to get lit. She didn't like to smoke pot. She loved to drink beer. That was her thing. And uh, as a result of that, she, because she was a college student, she didn't have a lot of money, so she was Miss Hot Check Writer. So she would write hot checks, and we would go around to these little grocery stores all around, like, you know, she was like, oh, no, I can't go to that store because I've written them a hot check. I can't go to that store because I've written them a hot check. So she knew where she bounced checks, and we couldn't go there because her name would be on the list. And this was back in the day, everybody, when you could write a hot check. You can't do that shit today, but back then you could. So she had a history of bad checks, bad check writing, and she did it with such aplomb, like it wasn't even like a big deal. So we went, and she was such a dear friend, and she went with me um, to go have the abortion, because you can't drive once you leave there, you know, because you're still kind of out of it. And um, so she made arrangements for her friend to put us up for the night. Uh, she drove. Uh, she took me to the abortion. She waited in the in the waiting room, and it was so funny. Kay was like this, you know, she was, I think she was from like um, Minnesota. So she had this little Minnesota voice. And uh, we get to the place where the abortion was to take place. We go in the waiting room. It's like the cheapest place to get an abortion. And it's like, you know, and my friend KW goes in and she just pops down and she goes, hi, I'm KW. She like, she was like, no problem. And I was like, she's going to be fine. 
And uh, and then I go in the waiting room, and it's, and it's really a kind of extraordinary opportunity. You know, it was a very somber atmosphere. Everybody, you know, it's a serious thing. I don't think everybody, nobody's like on a Tuesday, mm, yeah, I think I'm going to get an abortion. You know, it was a, a real serious thing. And so after the abortion was done, I actually felt like really great. And I've read that there's like all these floods of hormones that come into you. It's like after giving birth, you feel all these like different things. And so as we were leaving the place and we were going to drive back to my college, um, I was like, okay, let's go out to eat. Let's go get a pizza and some beer. She's like, great. So we find this pizza place and I had no money. And so after it was done and like we had pizzas and we had beer, I was like, write a check. And she was like, oh, I don't think so. And I was like, you know, I said, well, I don't have any money. So, you know, I really manipulated her into buying it. And this led ultimately to her arrest because it became a felony that she wrote a hot check across state lines. So she ended up going to jail. And, you know, we stopped being friends, you know, um, after she graduated. And it was like just a whole big deal. And I didn't even realize that the reason that she got arrested until much later was because of, you know, her buying, you know, writing that hot check in Georgia. And I remember the manager was just like, he wasn't having it. He knew it was a hot check. He knew we were young. And he like got Oliver, made her write all this information down. And so, you know, I think ultimately that's what happened. So I need to make an amends to her. But I was 19 years old. And so, you know, of course I want an out. I want you to say to me, oh, it's okay, you give me a pass on this. And she's got a very specific name. I feel like I could easily find her. I don't, you know, it's not like she's like Nancy Johnson or something like that. So, okay, so what give are, me your feedback. What is the, uh, what's the uh, harm that you did? Let's, let's define it like that. So the harm that I did was that because she felt sorry for me, I feel like I was able to manipulate her. So some self-seeking. Some self-seeking, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't want to pay for the food. I wanted her to, you know, I felt like I'd been a victim to this whole situation. So, a little, and I'm a little kind of muddy about that, about, you know. Some selfishness, probably. Selfishness, right. Yeah. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another drink. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that feels right. Okay, so if you were to see her, the amends would be, I want to make amends to you for um, this incident when I encouraged you to write the hot check, and I didn't have any money to pay, and my part in this is... I was deceitful. I was deceptive. Dishonest. I was dishonest. I didn't go in there. We didn't sit in the parking lot and say, look, girl, I don't have any money. Do you want to do this or not? Oh, you went in there knowing you didn't have any money. You never said anything. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make amends for I was dishonest. Yeah. I never told you up front that I didn't have any money. And um, I was self-seeking because I felt sorry for myself after the abortion. And I felt like you should just, you know, do whatever I needed to make me feel better. Right. Okay. So, step nine says, make direct amends except when to do so would injure them or others. 
So I think, you know, we need to be a little bit careful about this because there's some legal ramifications in there. I don't think it's wise for you to write an email or write a letter. Um, I think probably what I would do is try to find her, locate her, and call her. You can you can email her to say, hey, this is I would like to reach out to you. Could I get your phone number? And then you guys can text or whatever until you can find a time, a schedule, a time to call her. Um, but I would just be really honest with her and just you know be upfront and say, hey, this is weighing on me. And um, I realized afterwards that you know you actually went to jail for this and. I just want to make amends to you and apologize for my part in this. And you got to know, first of all, you know, if you and I had done this and you go, just write a check for it, I don't think I would have done it. You know, I don't want to write a hot check for anything. You know, I don't, I, I, you know, so there's, she did make, ultimately make the decision to do it. You know, you did, you had your part in it, so you're not fully responsible for her mm. going to jail. Mm-hmm. But you did contribute to it. Well, right, because I mean, you know, she was already on on the jail road. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This wasn't like the first hot check that she bounced, so it was right. Like a so there was a series of ones, and you were like, ah, whatever. You're already <laughs> criminal. Just go ahead and write the check. You know, you do this all the time. <laughs> no skin off your back. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I would make amends to her for. Is like from that that aspect. You know. That now that you're an adult and you're grown up, it's, you know, it's weighing on you. And Right. And I mean, and I think that, you know, a lot of people, when they um, suppress their memories and when when I, we get to do this work, it's like more comes to light. And it's like, I've never not known this story, but when I really reflect upon it, I realized that I did harm someone. And, you know... I didn't harm her 100%, but I harmed her like 10%. And I have to clean up that 10%. You know, like my 10% of her going to jail. In the process, in the amends process is about making the amends. It's not about making her feel better. And it, you don't know what her response is going to be. And we have to, you know, take that into consideration when we do this. She may be, yeah, you're a bitch, blah, 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 you know, and you just, you know, you have to accept that. But she may be like, you know, hey, you know, MG, I, you know, was on that wrong path. I, my life is cleaned up now, blah, blah, blah. You know, we don't know what that part is. And that's not the purpose of the amends. The purpose of the amends is to clean. You weren't, that behavior was not in aligned, in alignment with your value system. And right. that's why it's bugging you. Right. So right. I think, you know, when we do make things right, and no matter how long it is, that it, you know, you'll feel better. Well, you know, I was talking about this with someone else that's in recovery, and they were like saying, girl, you were 19, you know, you were like out of your mind. And and I was just like, but I'm still an adult and under the eyes of the law, so I can't, like, I give my sponsees kind of passes for stuff they've done in childhood, like, you know, if they were, like, on the playground with Mary Sue and they tricked her and they, like, you know, threw tomatoes. I'm like, no, no, you're a child. You know, your brain hasn't really formed. Not that your brain's completely formed at 19, but, you know, I, I was an adult. So I need to take responsibility and ownership for that. Well, and I think, too, um, the whole measurement here, what I take into account is 
how it's affecting you. Yeah. And it's bothering you, you know? I mean, it's not going to keep you. It's not going to make you go drink or something, but it's not in alignment with your value system, and that's what you're trying to clean up. The way that I think about it is sort of like, you know, when you spread, like, you know, a tablecloth or whatever, and you feel something underneath it. It's there. Like, what is that? Yeah. And I have to, like, go and remove that, you know? And it's not like a big deal, but... You know, uh, my personal website got hacked. And so, and it was like doing this stuff. I was like, I wanted to go look at something on my website. And I tried to get into it and I couldn't. And uh, so I got on, you know, with tech support. And, you know, they fixed one thing. And then I went in and I was like, what is this? And I added some security. And we need to add some security to our website too. Because I realized that, you know, somebody had gotten in and changed my administrative uh, username. And then I was like, who would want to hack me? Right? Like, you know, what what is out there? And I mean, and I, you know, was just thinking about my history. And then, you know, here's another thing, which I don't feel like I was responsible for. But, you know, this person I can see would have held a grudge to me. And I don't feel like I owe this person an amends. But, you know, we'll talk, I'll talk about this with you. And then you talk to me about it. And this was when I was in the Air Force. And... And it has to do with another alcoholic. And I was um, in the Air Force, and where I was stationed at, you know, the guys, and and even though I was super slutty, I've never done what they call, you know, poop where you sleep. So I've never, like, you know, very rarely have I, like, hooked up with anybody that I work with, Mm because I know that that would be messy. So, you know, none, and I wasn't attracted to any of these guys anyway, but these guys in my duty section kept wanting to like, you know, come on to me and like, let's go to do this and do that. And I was like, no, no, no. And so I really shut them down and then it turned and they became, um, you know, they just, they um, harassed me and it wasn't even sexual harassment. It was just harassment. You know, they would do things like put peanut butter in the um, and my jacket arms so that when I pushed my arms through, I had peanut butter all over my arms. Uh, there were these things called snap and pops, like, and so they would put one under my pack of cigarettes so that when I pulled up my cigarette, it would pop, you know, and they were just always like, you know, putting stuff in my boots and putting stuff in my gloves. And it was just, you know, they were just mean to me and they would always like deprecate me and, um, so one of the guys who was the ringleader of this group that they all really respected was a major alcoholic. And this was when we were stationed over in England. And he would get these DWIs. And if you got a DWI around the base, the local police would let the base know, hey, this guy you know, had a DWI, and it would go on his official military record as an alcohol-related incident. And it's like a serious offense. And he came into work one time bragging that he'd gotten a DWI, but because he was so far away from base, they didn't know about it. Now, at that time, I had a a best friend who was a cop. She worked, she was an SP. And um, I remember, like, going home and, like, because I always bitched about, you know, these guys I worked with. And I started bitching about this guy. And she goes, I know exactly who he is. And I'm going to get that DUI. And she knew him. And she like independent of me and she had already he was already on her radar as being one of these people that you know needs to go so she um she like you know called that duty section and somehow this guy I worked with found out that it was me opening my big mouth 
And let me tell you, the escalation of, I mean, they got like silent. Like they didn't even talk to me, these guys in my duty section. And my sergeant pulled me in and he said, if they go for you, I'm not going to stop them. So I've never felt like in fear for my life before except that. And they stripped him of all of his rank and they gave him a dishonorable discharge and they said, you're lucky we don't prosecute you. We're lucky we don't put you in jail for like, you know, what the hell ever. And so, and it was like a three month process. So three months I had to walk in there and look at the, and I was like, you know, he was like not happy with me and none of them were happy with me. So my question to you, Elizabeth, is do I owe him an amends? Do you think so? I don't think so. Do you think you could have stopped her from doing what she was do- going to do? If I'd known how it was going to be. Of course. If I, if I would have said, don't you say shit because they'll, they'll kill me. Yes, but I mean, no, I don't think so. That was her. You didn't tell her to go do that. And I was and processing it with a girlfriend, not a The cop. other thing is, is that, you know, this is so long ago. I mean, I would think in this situation that, you know, he probably needed to learn that lesson about his drinking and driving, you know. Who knows what's ever happened to him. But, you know, I, I just think that, like, you know, I don't think, I don't think so. Okay, good. Well, I think you can learn a lesson from it, you know. I mean, and you, oh, I do yeah. think, I mean, you're a lot more careful about, you know, revealing or talking about other people than I am. So I think that it does. And the same is true with the other. I was going to say, too, I don't know if there's a monetary um, amends somewhere with the, the pizza thing. But, you know, maybe you can make a gift of pizza to someone somewhere, you know. Um, you know, maybe if you're ever out at a pizza place and there's a family or a group of kids or something that you feel, you know, what, and you want to pick up the check for that, then you can do that, you know, or you can, you know, gift pizza somewhere to the woman's home or something like that. If you feel like you need to make monetary amends to this person, it didn't sound like it when you were talking about it, but you know, um, well, I was going to ask, should I offer to pay her $500? I mean... I don't think I would. I mean, you're going to have to, like, feel that out, you know, and see what, you know, Mm -hmm. her response is. And, like, you know, MG, I was on that path, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but you could, you know, if you feel that there's a a need for a monetary amends and she doesn't bring it up and you do feel like you want to make one, make a donation somewhere. I like that idea. Or do something along those lines, you know. Um, You know, I don't know, a school that needs pizza or, you know, it doesn't even have to be pizza. It's just kind of like, it does help if it's in the same realm, you know, of that, but it doesn't have to be, you know, you can just make a donation and tell yourself this is, you know. Yeah. Well, one of the living amends I made, you know, for my friend, uh, and he's deceased and, and, uh, you know, I, you know, did some things, uh, to him clearly and he's deceased. And so, and this was back when I was doing my AA amends that, um, you know, how do I, how do I, you know, do it for someone who's passed away? And, and I came up with this idea and it's brilliant. And every time it happens, I feel in a way good about it, but, and he would love it. 
and he would be looking down from heaven and just snickering. But whenever I go to a place and they say, would you like to donate a dollar to juvenile diabetes? I say, yes, I would. And I do that donation in his honor, in his his name. And he would love that, you know, I'm doing that because, you know, I'm, you know, paying money and then it's for a good cause. And so I kind of do that in his name. And, uh, (laughs) but then I was realizing like in New York, I'd go to the same Dwayne Reed and they were like, it was like that month where they do our, and it was like, every time I went there, do you want to, I was like, dang it, I can't go there. (laughs) Stay away from that place. So, well, I think the key is in um, making amends is number one to make sure that you do process it with a sponsor, you know, that and it, it, you know, there's a reason that the amends come at nine because it should be someone that knows you well, you know, that knows what your value system is and that knows how, you know, these things show up for you. And it, it, you know, like the tablecloth with the something underneath it, you know, there's something there and I need to, I want to clean it up, you know. And the other thing is, is to remember that, um, you know, it says, accept when to do so would injure them or others. And, you know, I think you need, you do need to be, you know, cognizant of that, you know. And you did not write the hot check. I don't know what the, you know, boundaries are on that legally. I mean, obviously, it's way past the, you know, the the time frame when they're going to come after you. But I just think that you do need to be careful on that and not put anything in writing and try to find her and call her and make amends that way. So that's, that is what I want to point out to any of our listeners that, you know, don't go willy-nilly and start making amends to people. Um, Make sure that you talk to somebody and that you get counsel and if it is if there is a monetary aspect of it you know you can make a donation somewhere i had a sponsee that needed to um she was drinking and driving and she hit a a car in her neighborhood and um she she didn't even remember what street she was on she knew what kind of car it was and she knew where she had hit it and so i said okay you know obviously we don't want to just like put it out there like you know call the police and say was there a report done because it had been like two to three years and she was probably going to get you know some type of legal and so what I suggest and the thing is is that you need to be comfortable with this like what you said I like that idea it needs to be something that resonates so the the what this sponsor and I came up with I said look Go do some research, find out what the body damage was, what you think it is for that type of vehicle, for the amount of damage that you could have done, get comfortable with an amount, and then make a donation somewhere. And she was like, okay, that I can do. So she did that work and we came up with an agreeable amount. And then one day she called me and she said, I just wrote a check to the SPCA for this amount. And I feel really good about doing that. And so, you know, the whole point of it is is to clean up your behavior. Right, and then the energy around it, because I feel like there's this energy that I'm holding, and that however I do that energetically, the universality of putting that out there in the universe, I think is like a, a healing gesture, a little healing deposit out there in that big morass of like, you know, negative energy. It's a... 
right. uh, piece of positivity that I'm manifesting and creating. And, uh, you know, because when I was like thinking, who would, who would hack my website? It's like, you know, I feel like I've cleaned up almost everything in my life that I'm aware of. That could just be a random thing, you know. It could be. I mean, we don't it know that be. somebody's out there after you, but... You know. Well, you know, and, and as I learn more about, you know, doing web design and doing websites, I realize that there are some vulnerabilities that are known and that they're like, oh, yeah, this is so easy to do. Here's how you do it. And I was like, well, poop, I, you know, that's what's going on with my website. And so it was like, you know, just about learning about how to, you know, protect yourself. But, you know, I don't want to, and I don't want to go forward in my life. And that's why, you know, I love this program is because it prevents me from having to make an amends you know when I think you know when you're wrong promptly admitted it it's like you know like there was someone that got you know fired from my work and there was like a little portion of me that I wanted to like email my friend hey did you hear about so-and-so or you know it's like no that's just shut up so I have a quick story about promptly admitting it um so I had uh, a few years ago, I was doing all of the payroll for the editorial department, and one of the editors came over and brought her me her payroll and set it on my desk and looked at me, and she was, here's our payroll. And I was, oh, your department is always late. And I could see the effect it had on her. Mm-hmm. And yes, and it was exactly like that. And I, I mean, she was crestfallen. It was just, and so she turned around. She didn't say anything. She turned around and walked back. I sat there, I waited a few seconds, waited till I knew she was back at her desk, picked up my phone, called her and said, I'm sorry, that's not how I want to treat you or talk to you and I want to apologize for that. And she was like, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Hung up. It was like, I don't know, from the time she left and I said it and then till I called her was 30 seconds. But oh my goodness, it was so much easier to do it right away. Yes than it was to wait. <laughs> yes. And I could have let that stuff sit there for years, you know, and be between us. And our relationship was very good, and she always got me a Christmas card. She was Jewish and always gave me a Christmas gift after that, always. And it was just, you know, I, I just appreciate this process and knowing this information. You know, when you, make a, when you make a mistake and you promptly admitted it and you clean it up, it just... I feel so much better doing stuff like that than sitting on stuff and hanging on to it. Well, that's like, once again, the tablecloth. You knew something immediately was not like, this isn't smooth or good or whatever. And I even had like a a roommate one time that was going through a health issue. And I had some, and I was keeping my mouth shut around her choices for like what she wanted to do. But when I saw her like languishing on her couch and really getting into some like self-pity and You know, I called her on it and I said, you know, you're just having a huge pity party right now. And I mean, she'd gone through this really horrible medical experience and I didn't even know the full scope of it. I didn't find out about it until later. (laughs) Until after you called her on her shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and I, and I just said, you know, um, I just called her on her stuff. And then I went back to my bedroom and then I was like thinking that is none of my business. And who, you know, like, so I went back to her. I said, you know what? I mean, like, you're right within like five minutes. Right there. And I said. As soon as you have that thought, (laughs) 
I had a sponsor, and she was telling me she was in a um, circle at a at a at a some type of women's gathering, and she some woman next to her asked her a question, and she told her a lie, and then she goes, "I just lied to you. I don't know why." <laughs> I apologize. And I was like, oh my God, I could never do that. <laughs> I was like, so story. impressed. Yes, right there in front of her. You know, at least I had the phone, you know. Yeah. Didn't have to look at her and say, you know, I'm an asshole, you know, and I want to well, apologize ha- for it. You and know? having worked in payroll, I have to say that, you know, it's a very time crunch and you know, it's very difficult to get that stuff out. <laughs> and so I dig that she was late with it because people get late to you. You know, like if you have like hourly people, they got to turn in their timesheet and you got to chase them down. Hey, did you get your timesheet in? It's a nightmare. So she knew she was late. Yes. It's probably yeah, like yeah. It's the just... bane of her existence and out of her control. But yeah. But you cleaned it up. So that's good. So if you guys want more information, you can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can go to our website, which is SoberSistersTalk.com. And you can find out more if you want to share this podcast. If you want to comment on it, we welcome that. If you have a question. We don't have comments up yet, but we will. We will. Yeah. We're working on all that stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Signing off.